All right, Mickey here with an advert for BetterHelp Therapy Online. You all right? Such a small question and sometimes such a big question too, eh? Now, regular listeners will know I am no stranger to depression and while over time and with the help of some decent counselling and brilliant friends and family, I've established a toolkit to help when the constantly dripping tap of life gets a bit too much. That does not mean I am a stress-free human rainbow skipping through meadows. I mean, who is? We all carry around different stresses, big and small, and sometimes we can deal, and sometimes it's much harder to cope. Life, innit? Right now, I have a teenage puppy to deal with, and although I love her very, very much, she can be a lot. There, said it. And as quick a fix as it seems to say, I'm fine, I'm fine, and push it all down into the big inside box and put that lid on. For me, that hasn't been a great long-term solution in that if I don't get it off my chest, it will at some point come bubbling up and it's never been one to pick its moments in a good way. I find talking means I can avoid it exploding out of me like a messy emotional volcano all over my nana's carpet. Also, during my various times in talk therapy, I discovered that saying something out loud or writing it down can make it seem much more manageable than allowing it to swirl around and grow ever bigger in my head. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. I've found knowing how to reach out is sometimes the toughest bit, but BetterHelp is entirely online. Boom. Which means it couldn't be easier. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist, then work your sessions around your schedule. With more than a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Standard issue listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash standard. That's betterhelp.com slash standard. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Standard Issue for All Women. Hello, Jen here to tell you about this episode of The Sunday Chops, part three of our series running throughout July in which we talk about death, because, you know, you need to, innit? In part one, Mick and I chatted to Poppy Mardle of Poppy's Funerals to get the inside scoop on the funeral industry, and that does sound slightly sensational, but let me tell you, fucking hell, our mouths, they were agog at some of the information she had to tell us. And we also got some practical tips on planning a funeral, In part two, Mick and Hannah spoke to restaurateur, writer and blogger Simon Thompson, who also just happens to be a stage four cancer patient. They chatted about how to have those tricky conversations about death. Next week, Mick will be chatting to Lucy Rudd, an end-of-life care advisor for Macmillan Cancer Support, the charity which we are running this series in partnership with. Macmillan knows talking about death can be difficult, 
But having honest conversations and taking small but simple steps such as writing a will can help you and your family prepare emotionally, practically and financially. Macmillan Cancer Support offer a will writing service to help you take the first step in planning for the future so you can get on with living life as fully as you can. Visit macmillan.org.uk today for information and support. You can also hear Hannah in today's other episode of Sunday Chops chatting to Helen Pickett about her forthcoming Edinburgh show which she has choreographed for the Scottish Ballet and is based on Arthur Miller's The Crucible. That sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? But for now, in this episode, I am chatting to Nikki Dyers from Cruise Bereavement Care about being bereaved, why it's so utterly shit and what you can do to support yourself or others who are experiencing grief. Usually at this point I would say enjoy or something like that. It feels a bit of a weird thing to say about an episode about grief and bereavement, but at the very least I do hope that you get something out of it. Also, if you have experienced a bereavement recently or a long time ago and you're struggling with grief, I just want to give a very quick shout out to a friend of me and indeed the podcast, Carrie Ad Lloyd, who has an excellent podcast herself called Griefcast. I've done an episode, Hannah's done an episode... I hear from lots of people independently who aren't even just trying to suck up to me because they know she's my mate who have said that they found it a really, really useful listen and has helped them feel more connected to other people after experiencing improvement. I would absolutely recommend it. I'll tweet out a link to it from my own account so you can have a little listen if you feel like it. I am joined over the telephone by Nikki Diaz, operations manager for Midlands and the east of England at Cruise Bereavement Care. Hi, Nikki. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having me. We are going to be talking a little bit about bereavement and grief today. First of all, can you just tell me a little bit about what you guys do at Cruise for any listeners who aren't already aware? Yes. So we're a national organisation. We're the leaders for bereaved people across England, Wales and Northern Ireland. So we support any bereaved person after a death has occurred and we offer a range of services from face-to-face, one-to-one support, group support and telephone support as well. We also have a children's service. Previously, before you were operations manager, you worked as a bereavement support. Yes, I started off in the organisation as a bereavement support volunteer And I've also had recent experience in supporting bereaved people following the work that we did with the Grenfell Tower fire response. You lost your own father when you were 10 years old, is that right? I did, yes, I did. So when I was 10 years old, my father died following a heart attack whilst he was driving. So it was very, very traumatic event for for the family and of course you know at that time uh, many years ago it's given away my age there wasn't a lot of bereavement support around at that time so you know growing up and going to college and things I decided that I wanted to support people and I wanted to specialize in bereavement so that's how I came to joining Cruise because I had a real interest in making sure that bereaved people had somewhere to go following a death. I mean, I've suffered a close bereavement myself. My brother died when I was 21 and he was 25, you know, quite tragic circumstances. So obviously I know that I've done a bit of reading around it and have some personal experience, but grief is a very different 
experience for different people and there's obviously no set way that people experience yeah. grief but what can you tell us sort of broad strokes about grief and and the way people experience it I think there are stages are there not some people do refer to it as stages we tend to say that you know any bereaved person experiences a loss in different ways there's no wrong or right way to grieve you could be part of the same family and experience the same bereavement and still feel differently about it so you know we say that you will experience feelings and emotions such as anger shock pain denial but it's not necessarily a linear process you could feel those feelings at any one time I would say at the very beginning so soon after a bereavement many people experience some shock and numbness broadly this is going to sound like a bit of a stupid question because outwardly it seems like pretty obvious why people experience grief but but why do people experience grief well grief is a response to the loss of a loved person so it's very much about the connection and relationship you've had with that person and it can then depend on the level and deepness of that response as part of the grief really so it's all about the feelings and connections that we've had and the memories that we have of that person as well that can deepen the grief so yeah it's a it's it's a longingness and an emotional response mainly but we know that sometimes we can be affected physically and cognitively you know that sometimes it fuzzes our minds or we can't think straight or it can really knock us for six. So how can it affect people physically and cognitively? Obviously my brother died 15 years ago but I had an experience last year that was, was absolutely nothing to do with him, it was nothing to do with anything else. It was triggered a reaction in me that I later thought oh this is to do with the situation that you were in with your brother and something I was going to ask you about was a bit about PTSD. Can people experience something like that, that they don't maybe sit on it for years and years and years, and then a long time later, suddenly it can be like, oh, wow, now I'm experiencing that sort of grief. I think PTSD can develop following a bereavement, um, especially a more complex bereavement, more traumatic bereavement. I know that from supporting people that were, were affected by the Grenfell Tower fire, that we did see some signs of, of PTSD because of what people had witnessed, experienced, and, you know, the whole trauma of not knowing what happened and, and why it happened. That definitely was present in, in, in some people that were affected by the fire. And how can that present? What, what can happen is reoccurring thoughts and images of what they've seen and heard and that feeling of being unable to shut those thoughts off or focus on anything so when it really is intensely impacting on someone's day-to-day -day life can be really frightening for people so it sort of feels very real at the time yes yes do people experience things differently depending on the nature in which they're bereaved? So, for example, a sort of unexpected or violent loss or a long-term illness, and also for children. How do children deal differently with grief? Please do look at our Hope Again website as well, which is dedicated to children. 
it would be more about speaking to the child and making sure that they have an understanding around what's happened, being as honest as possible with that child. Obviously, you'd gauge it in terms of making sure it's for a particular age group so that they can digest exactly what you're saying and understand it. Like I would say to an adult, talk to the child, see if they they need any support, just ongoing conversations. And if you are concerned about, about a child, please do contact Cruise or, you know, please do see your GP about it. Yeah, I think that for more traumatic deaths, yes, it can be complex or more difficult to resolve because of the whole nuances around that. There might be some uncertainty, some guilt around it, some shame. And and I know that from supporting bereaved people that it can be really difficult if it's a more traumatic death and the feelings of shock, numbness and anger might be present for some, some time, probably a lot longer than if it were an expected death or someone who was not well for a long period. Are there other sort of emotions that are more typically associated with people who lose someone through long-term illness, for example? How might that present? I think sometimes what can happen is, even though someone knows that their loved one is going to die, they probably don't, still don't feel as though they can say what they need to say because probably they don't want to accept it or it just is difficult to say it. So sometimes there is guilt around, you know, I didn't get to say what I wanted to say. Watching that person die is too painful, so therefore they couldn't be with that person. Even though it seems as though there are opportunities to do all of that, some people can be quite quite frightened by it. But I suppose the grieving process sort of starts perhaps before they have lost that person. Do you have any advice that you could give someone in that situation of how they could, I guess, help themselves in that situation or look after themselves? Yes, most definitely. The best thing that someone can do when they are in that situation is speak to people around them, speak to useful organisations like ourselves and if they want to speak to someone whether post-bereavement or coming up to the bereavement we do have a national helpline that people can call and then and seek advice and, and information we do have a website that bereaved people can look at but coming up to a bereavement if you know that your loved one's going to die you know try and come together with with your family and talk about your loved one's wishes how they may want the funeral and try and do some planning around how they want that their loved person to be remembered really. Hey there you lot. If you want to follow every aspect of our lives on social media, and why wouldn't you, because you're only human, you can! We're on Twitter as a team at Standard Issue UK or individually on at Inspiragen, at That Dunleavy and at Mixta Noonan. And I'd like to think it'll be fairly obvious who's who. We're on Facebook as well at Standard Issue Magazine and even Instagram at Standard Issue Podcast. Come to us. Look at our faces. So, as I said, I've had uh, an experience of 
a close bereavement myself and it took me a very, very long time to seek any counselling for that. It was probably the best part of probably about eight or nine years before I got any counselling for it. And I'm very glad that I did do that in the end. And a lot of people suggested it to me in the years like between. A lot of people said, oh, you know, have you seen a counsellor, blah, blah, blah. And, and it felt like quite a big mess. It felt a bit like I didn't really know where to start, you know, where to start pulling at that thread. And if I did, would it, you know, was it all going to come undone? I don't wish that I'd done it earlier, but I, I think you have to kind of get there in your own time. And it's I kind of feel like there's no point pushing someone to do it. Hopefully they will get there in their own time, and it's a very personal experience. That's my opinion, but is there an optimum time to receive bereavement counselling, or is it never too late? It's absolutely never too late. At Cruise, we support bereaved people any time after a death. So... That could be a day, day after the death. That could be 10, 20 years after. Because, you know, like you say, it's all about the individual feeling as though they are ready to talk about some really deep feelings about the bereavement. So, yeah, it has to be when that person's ready. Even when when taking referrals from bereaved people, we do get some third-party agencies wanting to refer people to the service, which is fine. But we do ask that they contact the client to make sure that they are absolutely ready for that service. Again, if it's soon after the bereavement, maybe the Cruise National Helpline would be best place for someone just to ascertain how they're feeling about the bereavement, what's normal, what isn't. Because, you know, when those feelings are really fresh, it may feel as though... They're feeling as though they're going mad. So the National Helpline, if I give you that number now, which is 0808 808 1677, is open on weekdays. And then we have from 9.30 till 5 o'clock and we have late evenings on a Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday till 8 o'clock. So it's a time that, you know, if you just want someone to listen and you want to share how you're feeling, you can call the National Helpline or look at our website for more advice around that but I would say it's definitely never too late you experience that pain and you deserve to explore what it's about and how you're feeling and how how you're you're reacting to that how can someone benefit from bereavement counselling bereaved person would benefit from support because they're able to explore those feelings in a non-judgmental setting that's quite key as well isn't it because I think as we were sort of saying earlier you could be in the same family as someone and experience completely different feelings because the relationship the dynamic is very different between different people so I think that's really quite key isn't it the the judgment thing you know you may be angry with the person who has died you may feel a sense of anger towards them and it's it's good to be able to express that in a way that you know, in in a forum or in circumstances where you don't worry that other people will judge you? People do find that really helpful because, like you say, they may never have said how they really feel to their loved ones because we know that when we're going through a difficult time, we tend to protect those around us. So, you know, we don't really say what we're feeling. We might not show our emotions in front of our family members, but then... Family members think that they don't care. So that's, you know, that's another factor. But it's a place, it's a safe place that people can come, really speak about what they're feeling, 
understand that as well because you know it can all be a bit chaotic at times and to really work through that bereavement journey and think about you know what would be or what is the new normal for them absolutely yeah I think that's really important actually that that point about the new normal I mean I think I probably know the answer to this but I, I wonder like do you experience the differences for example in the way that men and women grieve are women more open to talking and and counseling services we do see more women accessing cruise services than men so we know that you know women are generally more open to talking about their feelings and emotions but with men what we have done in Birmingham specifically is we have created a men's bereavement support group where we've invited men to come along and talk about the feelings around grief how that's affecting them and it's facilitated by males as well Mm -hmm. so they can see that okay other other men are feeling this way too which makes it okay to share you know I don't want to make any sweeping generalizations but it it can be more difficult for men to access a service like like cruise to really delve deeply into what they've lost how easy is it to get help if you go via the NHS for example is it because obviously mental health provision within the NHS is not great I think it's fair to say we see a lot of referrals coming from GPs so GPs are very aware of our Mm -hmm. our services that we provide locally and I suppose it all depends on the locality of um, someone's GP in terms of how they you know how quickly they'd be able to access counselling services to talk through their bereavement but I would say that if there's a situation where a bereaved person is at risk or those bereavement issues are very prevalent then I feel sure that you know support would would be given. So the NHS is not a bad place to start your GP for example? I mean, often, often we know that bereaved people speak to their GPs first about the way they're feeling because it can affect you emotionally, physically. It's like you might feel sick, pity your stomach doesn't feel right. You feel an emptiness in your, in your stomach or you can't think straight. I remember just feeling mad, completely mad, like the thoughts that I was having and it was so dark that I was just like, I think I am properly losing my shit basically (laughs) and then I spoke to a friend about it and friend's mum and they were sort of like you know that's not an unusual way to feel for someone who has experienced what you're experiencing you know you've you've lost your brother in quite a sort of traumatic and violent way it's not that weird for you to be thinking the things you're thinking but if I hadn't said to Mm. them I Mm -hmm. think you know I, I think I'm really losing it that could have continued for a really long time so I think I'm sure you would reiterate this. It's just, it's so important to talk to someone if you feel able to do so when you are experiencing those emotions. Definitely a way of supporting yourself when you are bereaved is speaking to those that are close to you about the way that you're feeling because, you know, that can be really helpful. Even though it is difficult, a lot of the emotions that we've spoken about today are absolutely normal but sometimes you just need that reassurance so speaking to someone about it would I would definitely recommend that 
So if you're someone who knows someone who's been bereaved, how can you best support someone who's been bereaved? Mm-hmm. So the, the best thing that you can do is listen, be compassionate, be patient. Don't forget that grief can take a long time. There's not a set time where a person will be, you know, over the shock or over the denial and, and all of that. So, you know, just just be really aware that it takes a long time and really listen to that person. Reach out to your friend or family, you know, pick up the phone, send an email, arrange to visit them and speak. Definitely don't avoid them because you feel awkward about what to say. Better to contact them and say, you know, I don't know what to say. Mm. I just don't know what to say, but I'm contacting you anyway because I'm thinking about you. And avoid cliches like you'll get over it or time's a great healer. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. Understand how you feel. I would say just avoid those. those, Because you don't know. You don't know. It's too unique to to know. You don't know how someone feels. could be exactly the same bereavement and it feels totally different it is the loneliest experience in the world i think because no one really knows how you're feeling no one does even you know like i have another brother he didn't know how i was feeling i didn't know how he was feeling you know my parents didn't know how i was feeling i didn't know how they were feeling you you just absolutely don't and it is the loneliest experience in the world and i would just to reiterate what you've said if you do feel awkward or you maybe haven't had experience of a close bereavement yourself it doesn't matter all you need to do is be present for someone and 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 let them know that you're there i think even if you as you say even if you just say i don't know what to say to you but you know Mm -hmm. i'm around i think that's so important absolutely so nikki where can we find cruise online if any of our listeners have heard this and sort of struck a chord and they want to get in touch you can find our website at www.cruise.org.uk and we're also on social media. So we've got Facebook and Instagram, but also Twitter and the Twitter handle is Cruise Care. And I'll give the national helpline again, which is 0808 Again, we're open on weekdays from 9.30 till 5 and on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays until 8 o'clock. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us. That was really helpful. Thank you. And if any of this gets you thinking about how or where you'd like to be cared for at the end of your life, choosing the funeral you'd like, the legacy you want to leave behind or who you want to remember in your will, visit macmillan.org.uk for information and support to help you have those conversations. Hello, Hannah here. Just wanted to let you know that if you like what we do, you can help us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really does help, especially if you give us five stars. Did that sound threatening enough? Give us five stars. Standard issue for all women.